The Alabama Crops Report podcast, your trusted information source for Alabama agriculture. Hey everybody, welcome into another episode of the Alabama Crops Report podcast. Scott Graham and Caitlin Kessheimer behind the mics today. We've got Dr. Eros Francisco with us today. Eros is our, you've been on the podcast before, so recurring guest, but uh, Eros, why don't you remind the folks of your responsibilities? My pleasure to be here and be part of this podcast. Well, I'm the new guy uh, for grain crops in, in Auburn University. Uh, I'm going to do corn, wheat, soybeans, and other crops as well for as grain. And I'm really happy to be here today. Yeah, we're super excited to have you. You've been on the podcast before when you first started, but it was on Zoom. This was last year, and now you're officially in the hot seat in our Alabama Crops Report podcast studio. Good. It's good to be here. Yeah. Well, Eros, it's been, I guess, about six months or so since we had you on the podcast. You're approaching your first summer now here in Alabama. You've been settling in pretty good and stuff? Oh, yes. Uh, it's been fun being here in Auburn. Uh, my kids are in school learning English very fast. Uh, I got my program already running. I got funded by uh, the commissions, the Wheat and Feed Grain Commission and Soybean uh, Commissions. Uh, we're doing several research projects uh, for the benefit of the growers. So it's we're ge- gearing up. Yeah, you certainly hit the ground running. And I know you've made the rounds at grower meetings this winter at extension meetings. Have you been able to meet a lot of people around the state? Oh, yeah, it was fun. I met a lot of people, uh, collected a lot of information through a survey. Uh, So I'm getting to know the crop management practices that farmers are doing, what is missing there. So it's good for my program uh, to put up new research next year. I guess folks can probably tell from your accent you're not from South Alabama. So I'm sure it's been good to try to get out, meet with folks. Like you said, you've been doing surveys, asking really good, meaningful questions to help you get an idea of the differences of of production practices and strategies here versus Brazil, where you're from? Oh, yeah. Well, uh, pretty much the, the standard package is the same. There are some differences regarding climate and type of soils. What I could learn from these surveys is that there are some differences regarding region within Alabama. For instance, yep. I noticed that uh, farmers uh, in, and I, I can't recall right now, the specific region or county, they tend not to uh, test their seeds for germination and, and vigor, while in other parts they get more response of growers testing their seeds, and also regarding street, uh, seed treatment as well. So there are some pockets here and there that, that, that they use different management practices, but basically the package is all the same. And you would think maybe the further north you go in Alabama, the more important things like that are, and, and seed treatments, of course, with Caitlin and her responsibilities with, with insect management and corn. So with that, let's talk about folks are planning, probably starting the plant in South Alabama, I assume. We're getting ready to start rolling in central North Alabama over the coming weeks. So what do folks need to be thinking about right now? Yeah, this is a, a crucial moment of the year. Uh, we are getting more and more heat. Uh, the temperatures are rising. It's about to start corn season, uh, cl- corn planting season. It's kind of wet this uh, this last week, a little bit of cold because of that last front that came in. But now with the temperatures rising, we're going to see more people uh, planting corn next next week all over the state. So, well, mainly in the south, basically, but moving north. And I'll just mention, as we're recording today, it's March the 18th, so just to give you an idea of some of the weather that, that you're talking about. Right. We are about to start planting our research projects as well. Uh, I just finished planting my 
planting date, my first planting date uh, down is in the south uh, in Fairhope yesterday. Next Monday I'll be in Bellamina starting a new project and then moving around in the state just to collect information and see how folks are doing uh, regarding planting. So temperatures are rising uh, all over the state and um, people in, in, in the south of the state are starting to plant corn. Moving north, so growers are, uh, are still waiting for a little bit of more heat uh, down, uh, to, to start planting corn. So as soon as the temperature reaches 75 and steady around 70s, it's, it's going to be awesome to uh, put that grain uh, or the seed in the ground and, and, start, and kick off the season. Can you talk a little bit more about those temperatures and what they mean for germinating seed? Because I know we have our targeted planting date, but then weather or equipment or something gets in the way and we might be delayed in some respects. So can you talk about, you know, if you went in a little bit early and it's still cold or late and it started to heat up a little bit too much? Well, the minimum temperature for seed germination for corn is 50 degrees. Basically, we are seeing temperatures above that uh, already. So, and we are getting warmer and warmer uh, so it's about time it's we are ready to start uh, seeding corn if conditions allow what conditions uh, certain parts of the state the, the soil is a, a bit wet yet and as soon as the, the soil dry out a little bit uh, and you can run your machinery over the soil that's that's a, that's a go and i guess another thing to think about too i don't i don't know that i know the answer to this but i know we're, like if we're behind cover crops we tend to have better soil moisture are those soils also a little bit cooler? Probably, yes, because the, the cover uh, will retain uh, the cold in the soil, uh, not allow the heat to go in. So you got to be careful while trying the moisture of the soil, testing the moisture and also the temperature. So, Caitlin, for you, like with the you know seed treatment packages and things like that, when you're talking with folks and, and thinking about things, do you recommend a different seed treatment package, insecticide seed treatment package behind the cover crop versus if it's not a cover or turn burn down timings? or? Yeah, so I think seed treatments are going to be great insurance following a cover crop because cover crops make the soil healthy, but they also make a great environment for insects to hang out. And that first couple weeks after planting is going to be really vulnerable to any insects. And if you do have cooler temperatures in the air or the soil, it can delay germination a little bit and make that vulnerable stage just extend a little bit. And so seed treatments, if you're in those situations um, or planting a little bit early and it might still be cold, then absolutely. And I go with a higher rate of seed treatments. Over seed treatment. yep. Maybe, you know, we like in cotton, we recommend, or soybeans, we recommend if your burn down isn't within a month before planting or so, throw out a pyrethroid or something plus or minus seven days of planting just to give that added protection. Is that similar for corn? Yeah, absolutely. And any of the pyrethroids will work if you are in one of those high-risk scenarios, which includes not, you know, burning down before um, a month or so before planting. But it's, you know, sometimes it's just we don't have the capabilities to reach or, those timelines. Yeah. Or your, you know, your, your program is set up for weed suppression and you want to push that, you know, maybe weeds are kills me to say it maybe they're a little bit more of an issue than insects are i, so I you, don't know what you're talking yeah. about that's not true <laughs> <laughs> but also this time last year was when it started raining and it just didn't stop for months so growers may get into an instance where they can't plant or they have to replant eris can you talk a little bit about replanting decisions yes uh, replanting is a tough decision it's very hard to stand uh, out in the field 
and try to count your population and try to make up your mind whether or not to replant. We are going to start a project, and we have started a project in, in Auburn to uh, define the yield loss associated with the lower population and uh, as well as with the plant, late planting date. Uh, we are going to have these results um, by the end of the year. While we, we can look for those type of information in other websites, uh, in other universities, I know that uh, Illinois has uh, some, Kentucky and other states, they develop this chart and they know how much you lose in yield if you plant late and with a lower population uh, as compared to the target population. It is a tough decision right now because the prices are really uh, high for inputs. The seed is going to be the point whether or not to try to replant uh, based on the type of hybrid. We're talking about corn, right? So if the type of hybrid you, you choose to, to grow. So uh, it's a tough decision. And if you get less than 50% of your population, well, that's going to be very easy to decide. But if you are in, in a range of between 50 to 100% of your of your targeted population, then is a tough decision to make. Then you've even got on top of that, if it's a late, you know, replanting decision, what herbicides have you already put down? Maybe you can't plant uh, soybeans or something in behind that too. So it's a it's a very complicated system, and in particular this year, where maybe we put out some some fertilizer and stuff already for the corn. You, it's hopefully we won't run into any replant. I know there will be some fields, but hopefully we won't have a lot of replant decisions this year. Yeah, sometimes growers, they tend to uh, apply a pre, uh, uh, pre-treatment pre um, herbicide uh, management. And if you delay, you're going to see some weeds coming up after mm-hmm. you're, you you try it the first time. So that's another que- uh, point in the question is about weeds. If the weeds start to germinate and, and appear, uh, you're going to have to apply a post-germination type of treatment. So that's another cost associated with the decision. And I won't concede that weeds are more important than insects, but I will give them some level of importance because we had an episode last year where Dr. Dr. David Russell talked about plant bat restrictions in corn, depending on what herbicides you you put in. So it sounds like it's going to be a a case-by-case decision for a lot of these replanting decisions. Um, And you're here to help if anyone has any questions. Yes, sure. I'm here. Uh, If anyone have questions, and just give us a call or email us, and we're going to meet people in the field. So weeds are important in the beginning of the season. Uh, they compete, they tend to compete and, 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 and steal yield from the crop in the beginning, while the insect can damage the plant any time of the year. So not only in the beginning, but also in the end. So I would say that insect is at the same level of, of yield or, or of weed or even higher. Do you agree with me or just... I, I think what I'm hearing is that you're agreeing insects are the best. Yes. Or, or the worst. The, 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 the worst, worst okay, as yeah. compared to weed. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. No, I'll yeah. take that. Yeah. It's just nice to hear an agronomist to admit insects are part of the system. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, the good insects are part of the system. The bad ones are the tough ones to manage. But you know, one thing you said there, Eris, I think is, is good, and I want to get some of Caitlin's thoughts on it, is you mentioned insects can damage corn all year long and one insect in particular kind of does that and that's stink bugs so Caitlin, what do what do we need to be thinking about in terms of stink bug management and seedling corn because they can be close to impossible to find but that doesn't mean they're not in the field yeah i'm you can't see me but i'm nodding excessively uh yes so stink bugs are from 
early, early season all the way to our early reproductive stages, stink bugs are a giant headache here in Alabama. And we have several species like we do in, in cotton and soybean, especially in early corn. Right now, we have wheat and stink bugs are hanging out as a non-pest in wheat. But then once that starts to dry down or gets harvested, they'll be looking for a new home. And I think, Scott, you've said this before, stink bugs are lazy and they don't like to move long distances. And so if you have wheat near your young corn, I would certainly plan on going out with an insecticide treatment within a week or so of that wheat's harvest because they're going to start moving. And if you wait, you know, five, six, seven days, you can usually catch them when they've all moved over and get them with, with any of our pyrethroids. We'll take care of them. But stink bugs, yeah, we need to keep our eyes out for those all the way through later in the season. They're, they're highly mobile, but they're lazy flyers. So they're difficult to find walking down the row, but they're not going to fly any further than they have to to eat. Yeah. Yep. So that's... That's what we like to call them in the cotton world. Well, this was some good information, even for a, a non-corn fellow like myself to learn some stuff. Is there anything we, anything else we need to talk about or any other topics before we... Yeah, I would like to address something that, um, that's very questionable right now. It's regarding fertilizer prices. We have seen fertilizers, uh, fertilizer prices going through the roof. There is a, a big question mark in the, in, in the world right now if the supply is going to be uh, okay for the whole season and even for next year. As the prices are very high, we may use it efficiently and wisely. So my suggestion would be try to uh, define your rate, uh, nitrogen rate for corn, based on, on your cost, uh, how much you can pay for it, or even if you try to replace mineral fertilizers with a poultry litter, uh, that's okay. We have pretty consistent results showing that this is good to do um, and can be done. But what I what I would suggest is uh, regarding being timely to this application. So at least 30 to 50 percent of your of your rate at planting and up to V6 another side dressing application. Try to be very early in the in the season. Don't do any late nitrogen application. We have literature showing that this is not good for for your yield. So let's be timely regarding nitrogen application. Thanks, Eros. That's great advice. And I know we've talked in a previous episode with Dr. Rishi Prasad on poultry litter and how to be efficient and effective with those applications. And our friend of the pod, Dirt Doctor Audrey Gamble, has some great data and advice on nitrogen applications in corn. So, Eros, thanks so much for coming. And, and we hope to see more of you on this podcast and out in the field this summer. Welcome. It's my pleasure to be here. Well, Eros, we appreciate you being on today. Why don't you let the folks know where you put out information? I know you do on our ACES website, but I know you have a Twitter and stuff like that. Yeah, Scott, I have a uh, Twitter account. Uh, it's at E-A-B-F-R-N-C. It's hard to... Well, it's If you type Eros Francisco, it's, it's going right. to show up very, very easily. But anyways, thank you. Well, great. Thanks, Eros. And uh, as always, thanks to our listeners. We appreciate you all spending time with us here on the Alabama Crops Report podcast. And as always, if we can ever be of any help, please let us know. The Alabama Crops Report podcast is a production of the Alabama Cooperative Extension System and is sponsored by Alabama Ag Credit.